Hello, listeners, to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. I'm your host, Steve Doby. Before we get started, I want to send my condolences to Suzanne Greenman's friends, family, colleagues. Suzanne recently passed away, and just prior to her passing away, she connected myself and today's guest, Dr. Darren McDonald. And without her, this podcast would not have been possible. We were hoping to have her on this show to join us to add her amazing insights into this conversation. Um, But unfortunately, that's no longer possible. So we are dedicating this episode and this series of The Industrial Ego to Suzanne. Um, I know she would appreciate what we're trying to do with this series and bringing people from all over different organizations and different industries to talk about the challenges of maintenance, reliability, and asset management and how we can do better. Um, That is something Suzanne taught us all is how we can do better. And so hopefully we can bring in some great guests for this series. Um, So today we've got Dr. Darren McDonald on the show to discuss the industrial ego. I really loved this conversation. It was very enlightening for me and it's amazing how much our experiences between Darren's and myself's are so similar, even though we're in such different industries. Um, so without further ado, here's your episode. And of course, thank you for listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Maintenance Disrupted. I'm your host, Steve Doby, and today I've got Dr. Darren McDonald. How's it going? I'm good, Steve. How are you? I'm good. Um, so before we get started, I, I do want to acknowledge, you know, Suzanne Greeman, who actually connected us um, maybe a month, month and a half ago there, uh, and we've kind of been working on the idea for, for our podcast since then. And, you know, originally we were really hoping Suzanne would be able to join us for these conversations. And unfortunately, she passed away a couple of weeks ago there. And so Suzanne was such an influential person in our industry, in the asset management space. I had the opportunity to speak to her a few times and, and I always came out of those conversations learning something new, uh, such a wonderful and caring person. Um, so I, Darren, I don't know if you have anything you'd like to say there as well. Yeah, I think just, just, uh, reflect on, 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 uh, your own comments as well. Do you know, like it, it's, uh, it's heartbreaking really. And, and obviously condolences, uh, first and foremost, go out to obviously her, her, her family and friends. Um, uh, and I know looking at the outpouring of emotion that I've seen across social media, et cetera, um, from her colleagues globally, you know, in the last, uh, the last couple of weeks, I know just, you know, she meant so much to so many people for all of the reasons that you mentioned. Um, yeah, you know, I was only speaking to her, uh, you know, whatever it was at this stage, I think two weeks ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, like that, I know she was, she was incredibly excited about this opportunity and, uh, you know, what we're trying to do here, you and I, and this podcast and some of the topics that we're discussing. And it's, yeah, look, it's just, it's just, it's just such a massive loss, um, obviously to, to the, to the community, but, um, you know, her as an individual, she was just so full of life. 
um, and joy. And, and again, like you said, every time I spoke to her, I learned something new, but I also came away with a massive smile on my face, right? She was just so full of joys of life and it was infectious. Um, and for me, I think uh, one of the biggest things I, I learned from Suzanne was just to really put yourself out there, right? As a, as a kind of a person. And, and again, going back to the, uh, the outpouring of emotion that I've seen, um, she had a wonderful network and a wonderful web of, of people, right? And, and I think you and I are obviously testament to that, as you mentioned, the fact that we're you know, speaking now is, is because of her. So for me, I think the greatest tribute that I can um, give to, to Suzanne is to basically carry on that, right? And to, to reach out and to foster relationships and to you know to mentor people um uh, you know and and just to really try and give back and and do it in a way that that you know gives joy and and, and i think that's that's the greatest thing that she's taught me and that's what yeah hopefully i can uh try somewhat and, and replicate you know but yeah again it's just you know massive loss and, and, and once more massive massive condolences to, to all who knew her but her, her friends and the family uh, in particular of course yeah, thanks, Darren. Um, now, to, to get into today's episode, um, you know, we wanted to talk about industrial ego. And, you know, it's something that's been, you know, I've started to notice it a, a little bit, we can get into it, uh, we'll get into it pre pretty, pretty deep or so over the, the next uh, half hour, 45 minutes or so. Um, but before we get started, do you just want to, because this is the first time you've been on our podcast. So do you want to give a quick overview uh, of who you are, what your background is, and just, you know, the quick two-minute cliff notes of who Darren McDonald is? Yeah, perfect. Sure. It's no problem. So uh, I'm, I'm a mechanical engineer originally by, by trade and then went working in the industry and, uh, you know, I, I worked in a number of different industries early on from automotive to marine um, to, to medical devices, et cetera. But, but uh, what I kind of quickly found myself in all of the industries I was in, I, I quickly found myself in roles supporting uh, reliability operations and maintenance. And I found that I, you know, just had a, I had a knack for it, but more importantly, I love this, right? So I drifted into uh the area of material science and the reliability of the material sets that are used um so i would have started life off really more as a kind of a metals guy but then slowly drifted into plastics and polymers uh, and where i am now basically is um i i head up a consultancy company called screas technologies and we operate pretty much primarily in what's called the biotechnology or the biopharmaceutical industry. So uh, unfortunately, most of us will have become uh, a little bit too familiar with that industry in the last two years, right, with, with, with COVID and vaccines, et cetera. But typically we're talking about vaccine manufacture. Um, and uh, yeah, so what, what we do in that space is we basically help a lot of these companies optimize their uh, asset management and reliability strategies in order to give them better system availability, right? That's kind of, you know, maintenance, reliability, asset management, one-on-one stuff. But we have a very specific focus on um, uh, materials, the materials that are used, right? So for example, traditionally, we would have been looking at like uh, a lot of the soft parts. So, uh, you know, the diaphragms, the gaskets, the hoses, the O-rings, all that kind of stuff. Um, they tend to be the weak link in the biotech chain. Um, and so we kind of gave like the most focus to them. And um, so that would have been where we were traditionally. And then, you know, but from that 
we're trying to optimize those uh, and a broader range of assets as well. Like as we've grown, we've taken in subject matter experts from, you know, from different areas. Um, but we obviously try and optimize those in a way that, uh, you know, uses best practice, right? So a lot of that would be um, digitalization strategies, for example, right? So, you know, using uh, AI or using you know, sensor-based technologies, et cetera, to inform data-led decision-making in, in relation to, to maintenance. So, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because, you know, you started out talking about biotech and all these things. And then you talked about kind of the, th the main issue, some of the main issues where you started there, seals, right. gaskets, you know, right. and I'm like, well, I'm in mining. We're just big, dirty, <laughs> but yeah. the, our issues are the same. Like, and, uh, you know, when we were talking originally, this is kind of where this concept kind of came from. Like, we know maintenance isn't actually that different than, you know, Material science is, I'm a materials engineer myself. That's what my undergraduate degree degree is in. And, you know, I find it's a pretty underappreciated, but it's so important in the maintenance and reliability space because, you know, a lot of the failures we see, there is a huge material component to it. Um, and, you know, when you look at proper good failure analysis and, and that's, that is all a materials question um, and, and so I love, love when that comes into the conversation, um, cause it's a little self-serving perhaps, but <laughs> <laughs> I never, um, yeah, I, I never knew you were, you were a materials guy where there's not a lot of us. I love, <laughs> no. so I love when, uh, yeah, I love meeting like-minded, uh, geeks, right? <laughs> like I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a self-confessed geek, self-confessed nerd, but yeah, look, couldn't agree with you more. Like, cause what was fascinating to me as I went on it, like, okay, so mechanical engineering obviously like you know as you're developing your your skill sets in university and uh, you know on on the job etc particularly as a young engineer you tend to be focused on uh system-wide issues right like the bigger picture stuff if that makes sense um but exactly to your point invariably what i found time and time again is it always comes back to to you know in some way shape or form to the materials that you're using right um okay yes it can be how they're designed etc cetera, etc cetera, or kind of how they're utilized um but it always comes back to the material and so you know using systems thinking and you know trying to uh really get down to the core of a problem to break down a problem to its first principles you know what i always found as an you know particularly a young engineer like the path always led to a materials issue in some way shape or form and then that 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 really kind of kicked off that spark for me and, and um yeah i went on to do uh, you know master's phds focused on material science but in the realm of kind of the reliability of those material sets and then how that affects the bigger picture stuff right? like how that affects the system-wide performance um so yeah it's a pleasure to meet a fellow a fellow geek sorry i don't know if uh, you'd self-confess I'm, I'm just calling you a geek here <laughs> no know, I, no i it. loved it um I, I think i referred to myself the other day as a futurist and i was like oh i didn't think i'd actually say that and then i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna change that a little bit i'm, I'm gonna be a pragmatic futurist uh so um <laughs> that's a bit better that's a much nicer term i'll use that one <laughs> so definitely definitely in the geek space and and always talking about people again my my hobby is a podcast so uh, about maintenance i'm not that much fun at parties all i know how to talk about is maintenance reliability engineering things so uh, you're just going to the wrong party steve that's the problem you know see 
I, I gotta go to your gotta gotta get over to Ireland and go to some of yours. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. A couple of points again is talking about soft parts. That's yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So industrial ego. So um, just to kind of set the stage for for this conversation a bit, um, I was at a conference a few weeks ago, um, and I actually I chatted with you you while I was over there, and um, I went to a session. This was the Canadian Institute of Mining Conference. Uh, so not maintenance specific. And I went to a session called asset management and I got there. And then actually there was a presentation from a great company, Rhythmic, uh, on, on monitoring. There was another one from CalTire on monitoring. And then there was another one on monitoring. So essentially they took this asset management and focused it very heavily on asset monitoring, which yes, is a piece of it. But, you know, this was the only maintenance or asset management related session that I found at the conference. Um, and in my view, it did not touch on what is important. I came out of that, I was, I was actually a little angry about it. I was like, how, at, it is 2022, how do we not have maintenance in the conversation at this, these high level conferences? Like in mining, maintenance is the top spend for any operating mine. Yet it's not part of that conversation. And so I came out a little, a little angry. And then I chatted with you, Darren, I think just after that. And I was like, and, and you know, we had kind of talked about the concept. And I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe the problem is, maybe we're, we're too much on our high horse. We like to blame operations for our problems and things like that. Um, but also, like, what is the perception of maintenance across the industry? Um, and so, so we talked a bit about this idea of industrial ego. So, um, I'll let you explain what industrial ego is and, and then we can just have a bit of a conversation around it, I think. Yeah, perfect. Like so so where where this was born for me, actually going just going back to Suzanne, I I, I did an article for Suzanne uh, recently, which was on the challenges that we have found, particularly in the biotechnology space, around trying to implement uh, new best practices, right? And I think to your point, like traditionally, you know, every, look, people always talk about maintenance, reliability, et cetera, as, you know, the, the, the something that you have to do, but, you know, you don't want to do it, right? Like it's the, you know, it's a it's, it's the real classic necessary evil thing, right? But like to your point, uh, again, focusing on, I mean, even if I just focus on, on soft parts in like biotechnology, they account for 50%, 50%, at a minimum of all the PMs on a site, right? And yet they receive the least amount of attention, right? And, and, and that reflects the point that you just made, which is, you know, people don't want to, like, it's not, you know, maintenance, reliability, asset management, it's not kind of sexy enough. It's not seen as a value add traditionally. It's seen again, you know, as a, as a kind of a necessary evil. And where the phrase industrial ego came out for me was when I was writing that article for, uh, for Suzanne, I said, like, that uh, opinion or that culture, dare I say, has been allowed to be, you know, has allowed to develop because of there's a certain amount of ego that goes with, you know, process ops, right, as the real let's say in inverted in inverted commas the real value add driver within an organization, which is obviously completely false, right? So. I yeah again for me going into that conversation I personally thought that industrial ego uh, was more of a biotechnology or a kind of a life sciences 
issue but then speaking to you it was it was amazing for me hearing how a lot of the same issues were completely mirrored in your industry which couldn't be opposite on the spectrum like to use your own words at the top of the call it's kind of you know a you know it's a dirty industry right whereas biotech and med devices and all that they're they're ultra sanitary right for obvious reasons um, and yet and yet the same issues the same issues apply so for me really what that's about is is this idea that that i don't necessarily need to worry about maintenance worry about reliability worry about asset management and the best practices that go along with them because you know there are certain forces or there are certain cultures that are uh, protecting me right from the uh, let's say you know the the market forces or the market influences that might uh, compel me to to really look at my asset management strategies. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think you know when we think about that in the biotech and and mining, like you know, in mining, the people that generally run mining companies are geologists, mining engineers, people that you know they design mines. They're they think big, and, and so to come down to our level where we're thinking about that smaller asset, like we're focusing on an engine injector kind of thing. Like, you know, that's, that's a project that you're working on and it's, it's consuming a lot of your time there. The scale is just not really, I think, appreciated, but it's needed to, to ultimately realize that, that greater vision. And so you have the, you have these other disciplines out there that really focus and do great work in that discipline space. And for it to, for them to recognize, you know, the, it, you know, the maintenance technician, the engineer, whatever, the grease stain on the face, the grease gun slung over the shoulder, like that I- image, like it's just, you know, I, I think there is a miss in industry where, you know, we, we don't appreciate that full scope. And that's all the points of, I think, asset management too, is, you know, let's get the entire organization on the same page, all our arrows pointing that same direction so that we're working to a common goal. And it's just, it, it, you know, for 2022 and as long as asset management's been out now, like, I know I've been talking about it for 10 years and like, we're, we're still fighting those same battles. Like, I, I don't know what you you're seeing there, Darren, like, is it the same type of kind of mentality out there for, for that industry as well? Yeah, look, a hundred percent. So, so I, 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 I was working in the industry for, you know, one of the big, one of the big pharma companies uh 10 years ago right and and uh, you know before i kind of went out on my own and 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 the conversations i'm having today you know 10 15 years on from when i first sort of entered that industry are literally identical word for word copy paste the same conversations today that i had that I had 10 15 years ago and that 100 percent, like you know it, it it you used the word anger earlier, right and 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 it does it does breed frustration and i think like look you know communication is a two-way street right so yes we probably have to get better at communicating the advantages of some of this stuff but then at the same time i feel like even when you do that message you know it doesn't it doesn't quite sink in as well as it should right like so i go back to the example i used earlier on of of like 50 percent of all you know typically 50 percent um of all the pms on a site are in in biotechnology uh, typically relate to to soft parts so you know that's that's you know roughly equivalent right let's exclude 
you know, corrective maintenance and all that kind of good stuff, right? But that's, you know, the equivalent of 50% of your downtime, right? So that's just, you know, think of the system availability there, right? That, like, the potential system availability there. If you focused on this, yeah, this, this again, to your point, let's come right down to the core of the issue, right? This, in you know, individual piece of, you know, two mil thick rubber or whatever it is, right? You know, that that has to work in order like that that is the weakest link in your chain and like that the chain or the system or whatever is only as good as that weakest point if you don't solve that all of your bigger bigger issues you know you're never going to deal with them so i mean ultimately it doesn't matter what industry you're in system availability and system output that's that's right like that's what everyone's concerned with, right that's why we all go to work every day let's be honest is is to get product at the back door right whatever that product might be um and yeah, 100% for me, there's a massive underappreciation for all of the little detail that goes into achieving that bigger picture stuff. Um, and that's really where I think that ego piece comes into me because I think, you know, again, I'll, I'll focus a little bit on on sort of my industry and I'll allow you to to draw the parallels with yours. I, I don't want to make parallels to an industry that I know nothing about, but, you know, certainly looking internally, when you look at the you know, the operations guys to the, you know, to the quality guys, to the scientists and so on and so forth. There is, you know, an ego there that, you know, again, to use the phrase, they are the, the real value add drivers, right? Um, and look, they're all obviously phenomenally critical to a successful operation. Um, but there is still a massive underappreciated and underutilized uh discipline i'd say and 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 skill sets which is in my opinion asset management reliability maintenance etc right again it's you know for the third time to use that phrase it's a it's a necessary evil as opposed to something that will massively contribute to um you know the successful operations and i think like yeah this is where the conversation can start going in a number of different ways because it, like that 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 culture of kind of ignoring the role of maintenance and reliability and so on like i'm not sure how that has fostered like uh, again i can speak quite deeply of my industry uh, and i'd love to get your take on on your own but it's an interesting one and to go back to your point that you're having the same conversations or i'm having the con same conversations a decade on like yeah that would make a question whether or not that culture is actually shifting or not right and 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 if it's not you know why not let's do you know let's be let's be good uh reliability maintenance engineers let's be good asset managers and do a you know a proper root cause or you know five why analysis on on uh, why that's not working i i, I don't know I, I don't have the answer to that i i've i've got some ideas but i don't know the answers still eludes me unfortunately well, we've been asking the same question for 10 years and, you know, I've only been out in industry for 10 years. Um, so, but, but, you know, some of the older people I know, they've been asking it 10 years before that. And it's been, it's been something that we've been dealing with for so long and we haven't solved it. And myself included in maintenance, it's always a bit of what was me, like people don't pay attention to us. Like it, maintenance is important, you know, you got to do it. And you know, how we've gone about trying to get attention to um, really get working on a lot of these issues so that we're not continually talking about it hasn't worked. And so I think we need to rethink how we do it. And so like, this is the first episode of a, a bit of a series you and I are, are kicking off where we're going to talk to 
different leaders in different industries and ask the question of what will make, is maintenance in, important to you? And what will make it more important? You know, granted, they might be a little biased because they'll be coming onto a maintenance podcast. So there's obviously going to be some, uh, um, uh, some respect for the, the the maintenance world in there because of that but at the end of the day like we need to understand from people outside of our maintenance industry what is going to make things more successful how can we get projects to go through how can we convince them that asset management's important how can we convince them that pms are important you know when i hear in mining it's it's kind of funny right now because we've got this framework this base and it's the same for all the industries, you know, your five or seven or however many pillars there are of different, um, uh, of maintenance. And you need to do these fundamentals before you can build things onto it. Yet nobody's doing all these pillars well, yet we're still trying to go to the top into IIoT 4.0. And we're doing a lot of this without fundamentals in place. And you can do that, but you're not gonna realize full value of things until you have, those fundamentals in place. And so like in mining, we're really focused on monitoring and how, how can we monitor more? And then the question is, what do you actually get out of monitoring? Okay, great. Now you know something is failing early. How early? You know, usually it's a couple of days. Does that really change anything? Well, maybe if your fundamentals were in place, you could actually really take advantage of knowing two days in advance, but most people don't. And so it still ends up becoming normal break in work that you, you don't get to take advantage of. So, you know, that that's the mining example of that. Um, I, I don't know what your thoughts are for your industry or other industries. I think you've touched on a really important point, right? It's a point that I always make is that people now have this perception, like, so, so sorry, as a quick aside, I think industry 4.0 has been a wonderful thing Absolutely. for highlighting the role of you know, reliability engineering and asset management, and at the same time, absolutely awful for it, right? <laughs> And the reason is this, is yes, it has shone a light on some of the advantages that these wonderful technologies can bring, okay? But what it's done is it's, it's made people, uh, so again, people who, you know, who aren't obviously overly familiar with, with, you know, the disciplines of asset management or reliability engineering, et cetera. It's made those people believe that IIoT solutions or industry 4.0 solutions or digitalization solutions, whatever term you want to use, right? They think that those solutions enable good asset management, right? But it's, it's literally the exact opposite. It's good asset management practices will, will allow you and enable you to implement IIoT solutions or digitalization solutions. So they literally have a backwards. So it's been, so yeah, again, good and bad, right? Um, and yet look, like it's, it's, it's a little bit of a, of, a, of a frustration for me because again, in like biotechnology, um, looking inwards again, uh, researching the topic a little bit, right? Uh, in relation to, you know, Am I the only one frustrated here? I'd say like the lack of pace of adoption of, you know, really useful methodologies and really useful technologies. What I found was that biotechnology has the second worst uh, adoption of digital, te di digital technologies of any sector globally, right? It beats, it beats the civil service. That's all it beats, right? Um, 
you know, and like other 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 highly regulated industries like banking, insurance, uh, you know, the financial industries, all that good stuff, are you know light years ahead of it, right? Um, so again, that's a that's a bit of a you know that's a bit of a uh, Pandora's box as to why, and it, it goes back to the sectoral ego piece because I think, you know, part of the reason why, um, you know, my industry in particular has been slow to adopt has you know again been because of a culture. So this industry is massively highly regulated, right? So the audience in North America would probably be, you know, most familiar with the, the Federal Drug Administration, the FDA, right? Um, you know, th those regulators, they obviously have a, you know, a critical role to play in ensuring the quality and the efficacy of, of drugs that will go to the patient, right? That's obviously, you know, um, their the, their core ethos and that makes absolute sense um but but what what that is like that 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 sort of singular focus let's say over the last 40 odd years has created a culture and i'm going to use the word fear okay so the regulators today can't be blamed on you know a lack of adoption of kind of new technologies or anything like that but what what i believe that they have done is kind of adopt this this culture of of fear and 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 that fear again lends itself to people not really paying attention to reliability limits and and so what i mean by that is it's easier to go with the status quo right to kind of continue to do things how we've always done them because there's a fear of adopting new technologies um uh, like in like sorry let me just bring it back a little bit so when i say there's a fear of adopting new technologies what i mean is like there's some kind of shiny, sexy stuff that people can do, right? Oh, you know, I'm going to throw a couple of wireless, you know, sensors on a couple of pumps or whatever, right? And, and, and you know, get a couple of wins and you know, put, the, put the pilot project up on lights and it all, it, all, it all looks wonderful. But to your point, what actual change are you generating on the ground in terms of, you know, system reliabilities, um, you know, system availability, all that good stuff? And often I find that if, if companies actually just went for, you know, went, went back to, you know, maintenance or reliability 101 and did, you know, a reliability centric maintenance sort of study of all of their assets that they could probably massively optimize their, their reliability strategies. Um, but again, to go back to the point I was making is that there's, there's a fear of doing it because, because that could potentially be a massive shift from the status quo. And, and um, you know, that, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to steal a quote here from uh, our good friend Yoda in Star Wars. Hopefully Disney won't come after us for the copyright, you know. But, but, um, <laughs> I know, I'm going to have to beep this whole section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, look, it, 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 you know, fear leads to the dark side, right? You know, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. And the suffering in this case is, is um, yeah, again, me and you having the same conversations 10 years on, right? So, um that 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 culture again what i've you know that what i've just said is probably a little bit focused on on certainly the life sciences and that kind of fear of of changing or moving i'm not sure how that would reflect your own industry and again as we continue to have these conversations with other people from from other industries and and uh, particularly with with other you know, stakeholders from, you know, different, different parts of different industries, right, to your point, to, to try and get those outside voices, it'll, it'll be fascinating for me to hear people's take on that, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and 
you know, I, I always go back and we talk about it all the time, the airline industry, something that has a lot of industrial ego, but also has a huge respect for the maintenance and reliability aspect. So much so that that actually drives far more of that industry than probably any other industry out there uh, with the exception of maybe nuclear. And, and really it's, it's around that risk. So as that risk increases in an industry, a lot more focus seems to get put onto it. And, you know, um, obviously a plane crashing is, it's a terrible occurrence and stuff like that, but in all these regulations are built in because unfortunately something happened. I have watched far too much May Day um, to, to be comfortable going on many flights, but um, you know, I, whenever I watch those shows, like that gives me such a great appreciation for, you know, the work that we do, because it is, you know, everything we're doing is to control it. And, and, you know, I talk to geologists or mining engineers, they love that show too. Like, okay, how do we bring that type, that, that thinking, like you watch this show, you understand the risk or uh, you, you get the risk piece of it. Uh, you get that things need to be maintained and things like that. How do we start to bring that through? So like you said, I'm very excited to talk to talk to these people. So, you know, um, I'll throw that out to the audience as well. If you have uh, somebody in your organization or, or you yourself, and you want to talk to us about the industrial ego of your organization, how you think maintenance can overcome it, um, you know, we want to hear from you and we want to bring you into this conversation and, and talk about it because I think it's such an important and valuable topic. And hopefully we can start moving that needle so that we can stop having the conversations 10 years later. I think you've hit on a, on a, on a, on a really fantastic point here, right? And uh, so there's a phrase that the airline industry uses and that a lot of their regulations are, are written in blood, right? Which is, it's quite a stark statement, but it's true, right? And, and you're 100% correct. There is a, uh, you know, in the likes of nuclear, uh, in the likes of a lot of the energy sector, like that, like I know oil and gas, um, except you know, obviously automotive, etc., or sorry, aeronautical rather. Um, there is a there is a you know a massive focus on maintenance and reliability because of the failures that have occurred in those industries that have led, unfortunately, to loss of life and massive loss of life in, in some instances. And let's go back to what we're talking about here, which is ego, right? That, you, that there's this protectionist effect around you that you don't kind of need to consider maintenance. And I think what those high-risk industries do is they, they, they invariably strip away that ego because now you're talking about literal life and death situations, right? So when you step onto a plane, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're, if you're in, you know, economy area or in first class, you're in the same tube as the next guy, right? So that plane goes down. If that maintenance wasn't done right, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a plastic fork or a, or a gold fork you're using, right? You're, you know, unfortunately, you're all, you know, you're all in the same situation, right? And that has the effect of, you know, bringing the reality to people in a bit of a stark way and it sort of strips away that ego to, you know, to a certain extent. So, yeah, to your question, I think it's a fascinating question. How do we, how do we, uh, I suppose, apply some of those same learnings to get people to appreciate the role that reliability and, and kind of maintenance engineers take. And, and, and maybe it's a case of, of like one thing that I think that we don't do is uh, probably demonstrate the, 
you know, importance of what we do in relation to avoiding maybe near misses, right? So like when everything works, you know, this is real, you know, a lot of better brains have written, you know, better, better sort of pieces on this uh, than I, but, but there's, there's, um, you know, a, a common sort of a trope that when everything's going well, people, people completely disregard maintenance, right? Um, but obviously when everything's failing, that's when, that's when maintenance uh, comes into focus, but it should be the exact opposite. It's like when everything's going perfectly well, that's when you should actually be congratulating you know the, the 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 maintainers and the reliability engineers and the asset managers and all all that all that good stuff, um, and so I think maybe it's a, may, maybe we just need to reframe, you know, how we communicate the wins and the successes and how what we do leads to, uh, you know, productivity increase and allows us to achieve certain levels of of safety, right, and and you know system availability and and product quality again going back to biotechnology, right is the quality of a drug and, and, and you know that 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 obviously dictates the the safety of the drug for someone who at the other end is you know ill right you know sitting or lying in a hospital bed you know um and so the fact that you know that that you know vaccine or drug can be produced and it's and it's you know perfectly pure and and, and it's going to make someone better um yeah, again, you know, maintenance and reliability plays a massive role in that, in ensuring that those systems are operational and they're clean and, and everything else. And, you know, maybe we don't do a good enough job of, of sort of framing it in that language, right? I don't know. Um, and again, I'd love to hear your own thoughts on like mining. You know, mining has had, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, if I look here between, you know, Ireland and the UK, um, you know, mining traditionally will have, you know, there's been there's been some quite serious accidents, you know. Um, there's a there's a there's a, f- a famous Scottish folk song called the the the, um, the Blantyre Miners Ballad or something equivalent to that. It was about you know a massive explosion. I think there was you know, three hundred or three hundred fifty miners killed, right, in Scotland. Um, I think it was at the you know the turn of the last century. So so so, so mining itself, you know, will have a massive safety focus too. So maybe we just need to to reframe our successes or our wins or, or our impact maybe a little bit better. I don't know. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. Like uh, everything in the mining industry is well written in blood. Uh, we've got lots of regulations. Um, you know, we're not quite as tight as the oil industry um, generally is. Um, but, you know, you look at Valet and the dam break they had down in Brazil. Um, Imperial Metals here in Canada, they had a dam break. Um, and you look at these these major events, and that they really drive regulations. And you know, I was yeah, I, I was working for actually an Imperial Metals Mine a couple of years after that, and the impact that had on the organization was, was uh, phenomenal. And the impact that the dam break on, like Valet, um, actually, I was having a chat with some of the people that worked at Valet, and they didn't do any asset management before that dam break. Once that broke and as the investigation progressed, then all of a sudden they they built this centralized asset management team and that focuses on all assets from infrastructure, from the, the biggest dam that they have right to the, you know, the underground digging unit that is relatively inexpensive. And so like it's unfortunately those big events do drive that change, but we need to drive that change before something happens. Like that's 
um, that's really what needs to happen in the mining industry, at least, is that, you know, we need to appreciate these risks and appreciate what we do, you know, the impact we have on the environment, the impact we have um, on people's lives and all that stuff. And we need to think about that and we need to appreciate that. And we need to realize that to make sure that these things don't happen, they need to be maintained properly. A dam requires maintenance just like a truck does. It, it, it's And the principles of maintenance are the same. Um, you know, I think that's, I think that's a good, good kind of place to leave it because we are running out of time. Um, and so, you know, I do want to throw that out there again to our listeners and say, you know, if you want to talk about your industry, uh, the industrial ego around it, bring, we can, you know, we want to bring in leaders from those industries as well to talk about their opinions on maintenance and how we can, how we can actually start getting things over the line, getting it better understood, you know, let us know. You can always email us at maintenancedisrupted at gmail.com. Um, and, but before we close out, Darren, where can people find you? Do you have any coming up conferences, any new papers being released, anything like that? Uh, yeah, well, probably look, the easiest way is just the website or else uh, via LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, if you Google Darren McDonald, uh, my name, uh, I'll come up. Or obviously, uh, if you if you throw uh, Screas or Screas Technologies into a web browser, we'll, we'll come up. So that's S-C-R-I-I-S. Um, yeah, and, and the, the, you know, there's just between websites and, and uh, social media platforms, etc. There's just, you know, a myriad of different ways to get in touch. Yeah, and I know maintenance disrupted. We haven't been doing very good with our posts over the last month or month or two. Um, but you, you'll start seeing seeing us back out there again. You'll start seeing lots of posts, and we'll be tar- taking Darren in those as well. So you can watch out for those after this is released. So thank you for your time, Darren. Great chatting with you, and um, I, I'm I'm so happy that Suzanne was able to connect us. Um, it's been great meeting you, and I it's so sad that she I'm not going to be able to chat with her and, and we can't bring her into this conversation but she'll she'll stay with us and we'll we'll, we'll keep her at the forefront of our minds as we're going through this uh, industrial ego um podcast series yeah look 100 percent, steve it's yeah look it's been an absolute pleasure and, and i really feel like we've only scratched the surface of this like there's just so much more you know that that i even personally want to talk about i'm sure you do and that no doubt a lot of your listeners want to come in and talk about um and you know in fact there's there's probably so much to talk about that my own thoughts aren't even you know well formulated right it's just yeah there's it's such a it's such a rich area and and uh yeah again like i know i know suzanne was so excited to to really delve into this because it you know it touches on you know everything from uh yeah you know culture to 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 you know hands-on practice to you know regulations to to digital technologies and it just it it's just so you know all encompassing so it's a really rich area and yeah again to your point um as we go forward we'll we'll, we'll just keep Susanna you know the absolute top of our minds and, and and hopefully this can be some modicum of of uh you know a, a, a testament to her uh hopefully but uh, yeah look absolute pleasure chatting to you and, and uh, thanks for your time